Welcome to the Roto World Baseball Podcast. I'm DJ Short, and I'm joined here by Drew Silva. And and just so you know, Drew, I'm considering renaming the show the Jay Bruce Appreciation Hour. What do you think of that? <laughs> You've really come around on him, huh? You Mets fans. I, I have, <laughs> I have. I mean, there could be some licensing issues involved here, but I think it's a catchy name. Instead of s- some anonymous player on our um, as w- that we use as our profile page for the podcast, we'll, we'll just have Jay Bruce. Right. <laughs> well, and the car- the Cardinals won a series this week too. We could talk about that. That's nice. I mean, it, it, they were off to a terrible start. Um, yeah. So to turn that around, what did they won three in a row or four in a row? Yeah, they, they just took three from the Pirates. Right. Well, Jay Bruce rescued the Mets Wednesday night, two home runs. Uh, he's actually starting at first base Thursday night, which should be interesting. The Mets are pretty banged up. Lucas Duda out of the lineup. Uh, it's his fourth career start at first base, so that should be a little interesting. Um, but we're here to talk about headlines, everything that's going on in baseball, uh, fantasy baseball, and also hopefully to get into some uh, mailbag questions uh, before we go. Uh, before we get into that, just a quick reminder, subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcasts, iTunes, Stitcher, we're also on Spotify, Google Play, Audio Boom, a bunch of other places. And if you listen on iTunes, please consider rating and reviewing the show as well. We're still trying to build the show's audience. It's only been around less than a year. Uh, so any help you could give us there would be much appreciated, would make a big difference as well. So uh, we're going to start out here with the big news of the week, and it was a shocker as Pirates outfielder Starling Marte was handed an 80-game suspension after testing positive for performance-enhancing drugs. So many ways to go with this situation. We're going to start out with the repercussions for the Pirates here. In the short term, Andrew McCutcheon will slide back to center field. Of course, he made the move uh, from center field to right field this year. Defensive metrics not really kind to him in center field, but now McCutcheon will slide back to center field, and I know there's been some clamoring for top prospect Austin Meadows to get the call up, and he does look like a promising player for the long term, but off to a slow start in AAA this year. Actually has a 199-281-404 batting line over 49 games in AAA dating back to last year, so still has some work to do to earn a call up. In the meantime, we'll see a combination of players in right field in Pittsburgh. Adam Frazier will probably have an everyday role, kind of bouncing between the outfield and the infield. Um, So he should be a fixture in that lineup. Maybe someone you could play with deeper mixed leagues, that sort of thing. He should hit leadoff. Um, But we'll also see Jose Osuna, uh, John, John Jaso, maybe even Josh Bell, Josh Harrison out there on occasion. Still, you you look at this Pirates team who has very little margin for error. Already missing uh, Jung Ho Gong with his legal problems with the multiple DUIs. We don't know when he's going to play again. So uh, losing Marte is a, a tremendous blow to their chances. Absolutely. I mean, it's one of the most impactful PED suspensions that we've seen. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, since, since MLB impl- implemented their new program, Marte's a, a guy who who gives you four or above wins above replacement every year. Um, between the the defense, the base running, and the strides he's made as as a hitter, as well, I mean it's it's huge, and and I, I don't think the Pirates do have a, a good internal option. I mean, Austin Meadows is to me pretty far away. I, I know he was a consensus top ten prospect this spring by MLB.com, Baseball America, and Baseball Prospectus, but 
he has not hit well at the AAA level. Like you said, a 199 batting average through 196 plate appearances. Jose Ozuna doesn't do much for me. And, and McCutcheon has played a good center field over the last couple of nights since the the suspension was announced, but he was not good there last year. And and I, I think he brought that to the plate with him, those struggles in the outfield. And I mean, it's, it's a really killer blow to the pirates. If, if they do happen to make it to the wild card game, um, Marte can't play in that because he won't be eligible for the postseason. Right. So I think, I think we're going to see some real fantasy implications and real life baseball imp- implications that stem from this. You think about the pirates down the line trading, you know, closer Tony Watson, who's in who's in a walk year, and maybe Felipe Rivero takes that role. McCutcheon's probably going to be on the trade block. Um, there, there's going to be a lot of fallout from this. Well, Marte will be eligible to return uh, on July 18th, if my math is right. So, you know, right after the start of the second half. Um, so that's a long time for fantasy owners to try to get by with without someone who, if you go by average draft position. He was 24.4 in Yahoo leagues this spring, so an early third round pick in most leagues, late second round pick in deeper leagues, something like that. So huge loss for fantasy owners. Uh, In waiver wire today, I tried to come up with a few names who could be available to serve as sort of a stopgap for the next couple of months. Um, So I put five outfielders in there. Uh, I want to start off with Brett Gardner, who's off to a slow start with the bat, but getting on base, locked in as the Yankees' leadoff hitter. I think that Yankees lineup is better than expected and should get better when Gary Sanchez returns. Uh, Gardner looks healthy, and after stealing only 16 bases last year, he's already 5-for-5 in stolen base attempts this year. Could make up for some of the speed you're missing uh, with Marte's suspension. And Gardner's available in about 60% of Yahoo leagues right now, so I think if you're in a shallow league, he could be out there. He's worth taking a look at. Domingo Santana with the Brewers, not really a speed guy, but the Brewers are really aggressive on the base pass, so he can steal you a few bags. I mostly like him for the power and patience that he has. Hits in the middle of that Brewers lineup as well. So I think in shallow leagues, those are two guys you can start to look out for. Yeah, um, Santana was a guy that I think we both were really high on leading into last season, and mm-hmm. he just had some some injuries that set him back. I think he only played in, what, 77 games or something mm-hmm. like that? Right. Um, but you know, the guy, he's got the talent, uh, always been thought of as a, as a high level prospect and he's in a power friendly home park in Milwaukee. Um, another guy that you had in waiver wire that I really like is Steven Souza. Um, I was pretty high on him leading into the 2016 season and he got off to a nice start before suffering a strained hip in June. And then he struggled throughout the second half after he returned from that injury Hip injuries can really hamper sluggers because of the way you have to turn when you when you swing to generate power. That's kind of an obvious point. But um, he looks far more healthy to me so far this season. He's batting 328 with a 926 OPS, two home runs, 12 RBIs in 16 games. He can also steal some bases. Um, he's batting between leadoff and fifth in that lineup. Um, obviously love him at leadoff, but... That's kind of a platoon situation. I, I think he'll bat some cleanup with Brad Miller regressing and Ricky Weeks being Ricky Weeks. Um, <laughs> Souza is, is a guy that that I'd be rushing to add. I mean, he, he's not going to fill the, the stolen bases that you lose with Marte, but I mean, no one can really do that. Yeah, I, I, I think Souza is interesting. I mean, we're talking about a really small sample of at-bats, but 
the big thing about Souza, just in the his really two full seasons in the majors so far, is the strikeouts. Struck out in 34% of his plate appearances, but he's brought that number down so far, also drawing more walks. That could be just him trying to be more selective hitting leadoff. So I like those changes. If he improves the contact rate, um, that's going to make him all the more interesting. He fell a single shy of the cycle on Thursday. We're used to saying a triple shy of the cycle, but uh-huh. fell a single single shy of the cycle on Thursday. So uh, good developments with him. Another guy in shallow leagues you could take a chance on. Uh, two guys I like in deeper leagues, Josh Reddick and Kevin Pillar. Reddick getting some starts out of the number two spot in the Astros order right now. There's some double-digit double power speed potential there. I think Alex Bregman eventually gets that number two spot. But those are two guys in good situations, uh, you know, good offensive ballparks, good environments. Uh, that I think you could take a chance on, and each of them are available in about 90% of Yahoo leagues right now. Trey Mancini of the Orioles is kind of interesting to me. A little bit further down, I'd rank him than those guys, but he wasn't even on my radar at all this spring. Um, but he's 25 years old, and he's really done nothing but rake at the major league level since his late September promotion last season. It's a very small sample size, but 341 batting average and OPS of nearly 1,300, seven home runs and 14 RBIs and 14 major league games. Um, Mancini took a turn at leadoff Wednesday with Seth Smith. Seth Smith that's a hard name to say, man. It trips nursing up everyone. A, <laughs> I know. thought I had it. Nursing a hamstring injury. Um, I, I think he might be headed for the disabled list, Smith, but the Orioles haven't announced anything yet as of this recording. And then Craig Gentry is, has been their other primary leadoff option, and he's really struggling. Um, the minor league numbers check out on Man City. A 306 batting average and 829 OPS in 483 career games in the minors with 220 homer seasons out of three or three-plus minor league seasons, however you want to classify it. Mancini wasn't in the starting lineup Thursday against Reds right-hander Scott Feldman, and that's obviously a big issue if Orioles manager Buck Showalter isn't going to start him against many righties, but we'll see about the severity of Seth Smith's hamstring injury nailed it and yeah and Craig and Craig Gentry is you know not not a world beater yeah yeah I think the power is interesting but it just comes down to the playing time and yeah and we'll see how he's deployed uh but obviously the injury to Smith could uh could dictate the playing time so uh I've seen him picked up in a lot of leagues this week I just wonder uh, you know, how many at-bats are going to be there. And he's yeah. not hes not really a strong defender. So, you know, if he's playing in the outfield, like how, how much weaker does that make their defense? So just some things to consider. But um, an outfield of Trey Mancini, Adam Jones, and Mark Trumbo. Yikes. That'd be good. That's good. Yikes. <laughs> uh, it's like a beer league softball team, <laughs> yeah. basically. Uh, I mean, that is the Orioles in a way. Yeah. Um, but there were some other things going on in the baseball world this week beyond the Marte suspension. Uh, why don't you get us started with that? Some more positive yeah. things. We, we have to talk about Eric Thames. Yes. Um, who has returned to Major League Baseball with a vengeance after spending three years mashing in South Korea. He has seven home runs, 12 RBIs, and an OPS over 1,400 through 14 regular season games with Milwaukee. Uh, The Cubs finally held him hitless on Wednesday, but that's partly because they walked him three times. (laughs) Um, I I can't say enough about how much Thames passes the eye test. Um, I've I've watched a lot of their their games lately. Uh, It seems like, well, they're playing good baseball, and it seems like they played a lot of day games 
probably because mm-hmm. they they were just at Wrigley Field. But Thames looks like a more athletic steroid era Barry Bonds uh-huh. with his massive arms, and he's got that huge futuristic elbow protector. Mm-hmm. Um, he was actually asked to give a random urine sample this week under Major League Baseball's PED program, which I thought was kind of funny. And actually, a few Cubs kind of took veiled shots at the possibility that that he was juicing because because of the way he looks. I mean, he, he looks – he's jacked. He's man. a specimen. And he's yes. a specimen. Um, and beyond the eye test, or, or maybe this still is the eye test, he's hit pitches in, he's hit pitches away, he's hit fastballs, breaking balls, change-ups, righties and lefties. I think the bag on him when he left MLB for the KBO four years ago was that he had poor plate discipline and would whiff at breaking pitches. But, man, Thames really seems to have figured that out, whatever problem that was. Um, over his three years in Korea, he batted 349 with an OPS near 1,200, 124 home runs and 382 RBIs in 390 games, earning the nickname Ninanim. Uh, which is a compound word of his first name, Eric, and God. Um, (laughs) (laughs) He also stole 64 bases in those three seasons in Korea. And you can see he moves pretty well for a big man. Doesn't have a steal yet and probably won't steal a bunch, but I don't know, maybe he gets to 10 steals. We we have to pump the brakes a bit, um, you know, but I'm sure the Brewers are loving that they took the chance on him at this point. He's locked in for $4 million this season, $5 million next season, and $6 million in 2019 with a $7.5 million player option for 2020. Uh, I wish I took more shares of him in my drafts this spring. He was going early in leagues with like fantasy industry people who were aware of the upside. I did snag him in one league that I do with family and friends, and I'm happy to tell you I'm killing it in that league. (laughs) Well, there was a really interesting article uh, on ESPN.com this week. Bradford Doolittle kind of contrasted the approaches of Thames and uh, White Sox shortstop Tim Anderson just in their approaches. And had some really interesting quotes from Thames, uh, mostly about the plate discipline. Um, Here's just a couple of them. Uh, I learned in Korea that they won't challenge you as much as they do in the minors and the majors. And maintaining the strike zone and swinging swinging at strikes, that's like the ultimate goal for everybody. Starting in Korea, every time I chase, I put a dollar in the pot and I donate it at the end of the year. It's a challenge. I was a guy that swung at everything. So many balls out of the zone early on in my career. It's a big thing. That's why I couldn't handle it in Seattle. It's why I got sent down. Now, I know those are just words, but the numbers definitely back it up so far. If you look at his chase rate, which you can go on fan graphs and look that up, he's at 20.9% going into play on Thursday. And we're still dealing with a small sample, but it's a huge improvement over his previous stints in the majors where he hovered around 34%. Uh, And if you put him into context with the rest of the league, uh, his chase rate was 19th lowest in the majors going into play on Thursday. So really good sign so far, well below the league average. So you couple that with just him getting more comfortable, as you said, with breaking pitches from his time in the KBO. And you can see where this breakout's coming from. So really positive sign so far. I, yeah, I love quotes like that from, from players. And he's a really smart guy, a really good interview. Um, I, I, I think he's for real, man. And and Miller Park is, is helpful. It's a, one of the best most hitter friendly parks in the majors. Yep. Um, he's not going to, you know, break the home run record, but I think we're going to see a huge year. Yeah. I mean, 
It's early, but I mean, all yeah. the signs are there um, that th- that he made real improvements when he was in the KBO, and you know, it's so hard to quantify the numbers over there, but uh, we're certainly seeing him back it up so far. So it's it's been impressive. It's been fun to watch. Um, I wanted to move on to someone next whose stock has certainly fallen over the past year, but we're seeing some early signs that he's back, and and that's Dallas Keuchel with the Astros. He's allowed one earned run or fewer in all of his starts so far. Tossed seven innings of one-run ball against the Angels on Wednesday. Now has a 0.96 ERA and 22 to six uh, strikeout to walk ratio in 28 innings. Uh, now, what we're seeing isn't really an uptick in strikeouts from last year. It's actually down somewhat. His velocity isn't up, even though he's feeling better with that shoulder. Um, but the control's good, and he's inducing a ton of ground balls. Um, I mean, he did that when he was on, but more ground balls than ever. Lots of soft contact, so lots of things you want to see here. I don't know if we're seeing a return of Cy Young-type production that we saw in the past, but uh, this is a guy who had an average draft position of 129.5 this year, and I have to admit, I was avoiding him in that spot. I still thought it was a little too high for me, Um, but he's definitely proven me wrong so far. Yeah, me too. I mean, last year was weird. Like maybe I, I know he had that shoulder injury at, at the end of the year and, and maybe that was a bigger deal than he let on. Oh, yeah, um, I think. But so. I mean, the, the Astros look great as a team, probably one of the best teams in baseball. There's the win potential there, even if you can expect some natural aggression in the ERA and whip numbers. Um, yeah, I wish I would have got more shares of him, too. Yeah, I mean, Lance McCullers looked really good Thursday afternoon. Chris Davinsky is a monster out of that mm-hmm. bullpen for the Astros. I know a lot of fantasy owners want to see him moved into that rotation, but he's such a weapon leading into the late innings for the Astros, just sort of being that bridge. I don't know if they're going to move him. And and I think he might still have standalone value just being in that role uh, in fantasy leagues this year. He's a really fascinating pitcher. I'll talk a little bit about uh, Jason Vargas, who has – been a top five fantasy pitcher out of the gate ahead of Dallas Keuchel hmm. and and Clayton Kershaw and even Chris Sale who was brilliant in his start against the Blue Jays on Thursday afternoon. Um, Vargas moved to three and zero on the season Wednesday night against the Giants. He threw seven shutout innings with nine strikeouts and zero walks, allowed just four hits, one double, and three singles, and induced nine ground ball outs for the third straight start. Vargas has a 0.44 ERA, a 0.77 whip, and a 23-2 K-to-walk ratio through 20 and two-thirds innings this season. And he's just the fourth pitcher in Royals franchise history to work six-plus innings and allow no more than one run in his first three starts to open a season. Um, Historical stuff. I don't think the strikeouts are going to keep coming in bunches like they have. Vargas entered the year with a 5.9 career strikeouts per nine. And he averages just 86.6 miles per hour with his fastball. It's not like there's been a big velocity tick. Um, you know, he, he's he's 22 months removed from Tommy John surgery now, and I, I think he's getting back to that really solid pitcher that he was uh, before the surgery. Uh, I think the ERA and WHIP are, are going to remain sharp probably throughout the year. It helps that he pitches at Kauffman Stadium, which is a power-sapping ballpark with a big outfield and good defense. Um, but I don't know if I'd be rushing out to grab him. What's your take? Are you, are you going to go pick him up? Uh, I mean, what's weird is I, I was looking him up and I saw he's been doing well, but he's already owned in, I think around the right number of leagues. I think the last time I checked, it was around 70%. I, yeah. you know, that I feel like 
anything over that and it's a little bit overkill. Uh, I think if you haven't picked him up already, he's probably gone in most leagues. Right. Um, but I, I looked kind of at his Fangraphs page today to kind of see if anything was out of whack or different. And I don't really see much. Like yeah. like you said, the velocity is the same. Uh, hasn't changed up his pitch mix at all. So it's not like that's throwing hitters off. So uh, I'm not sure how much I buy it. Um, he certainly had his moments of usefulness at times over the years in fantasy leagues, but nothing close to this. Um, and I think if you want to sell high, I know we hear that kind of stuff all the time when players get off to hot starts, but I'm not sure you're going to get that much for him. I think you're going to meet this skepticism from a lot of owners. So I really think this is like a forced hold situation and you just kind of see how things go. Yeah. He's, you know, he's a left-handed junk baller essentially, but he's, he's really good at it and he's had a lucrative career doing that. But yeah, I mean, I agree with you. I I don't own him in any leagues and I, I wasn't really rushing out to grab him anyway. Right. Um, yeah. But uh, if, if you do, if you do own him, you're, you're you're reaping the benefits of a. I think he's third overall among pitchers on Yahoo at least right now. Crazy. Um, another pitcher I wanted to mention here, uh, Luis Severino. Of course, he was pretty bad in the Yankees rotation last year. Had an eight five zero ERA in eleven starts compared to a zero point three nine ERA in eleven relief appearances. Uh, the Yankees gave him another shot in the rotation to begin this season, and so far, so good. Uh, he actually took the loss Tuesday against the White Sox, but he pitched eight innings and struck out 10 batters. He struck out 11 batters in his previous outing, so he has a 27-2 to strikeout-to-walk ratio in 20 innings through his first three starts. Has a 4.05 ERA in that time, has given up four home runs along the way. He's in a tough environment, making half of his starts in Yankee Stadium, pitching in the AL East. He's going to get hurt at times, especially with that home run ball, but... You look at the mid to upper 90s fastball with a slider that touches 90 miles per hour, has the control, uh, getting swings and misses. You know, I think he could be really interesting. Yeah, I remember watching his first start as a major leaguer. It was against the Red Sox and it was on ESPN back in 2015. And I was just thinking this dude's going to be a star. And he did have like a really good first little sample size um, in the majors. And then, like you said, he's, he's struggled. But yeah, that was at age 21 when he broke in, and he just yeah. turned 23 years old. Yeah, I mean, I know last year, you know, some people were saying, you know, he should just stay in the bullpen and be like the seventh inning guy. But, I mean, he's still so young. You certainly understand why the Yankees want to give him a shot in that rotation and hope he figures something out. Uh, really good stuff there. So yeah. I'm excited about him. I'm disappointed I couldn't put him in waiver wire this week. He's already over 50% ownership in Yahoo, and I think rightfully so. If you have back-to-back 10 strikeout games, you should be owned in most leagues. Um, wanted to get into some injury situations really quick. Um, you can start us out with the Orioles closer situation with Zach Britton. So, yeah, Zach Britton landed on the disabled list this week, retroactive to April 15th, with what is being called a left forearm strain. The word is it's mild, and Britton says he's already feeling much better, but he isn't throwing yet, and there's an MRI scheduled for Friday, after which we should get a real timetable or something close to a real timetable on how long his absence is going to be. Forearm strain is an ugly word for a pitcher. It's often the first diagnosis we hear on a guy before he eventually undergoes some kind of surgery. Sometimes it's Tommy John surgery, but at least for now, that this doesn't appear headed that way. Um, you know, the MRI will will tell will give us a real picture. As for the current state of the Orioles bullpen, Brad Brock said manager Buck Showalter told him on Tuesday 
that he would be splitting closer duties with Darren O'Day. But it was Brock who got the first save opportunity since Britain landed on the DL on Wednesday night against the Reds. And Brock converted that opportunity with a ground out, a fly out, and a strikeout in nine pitch inning. Um, Brock has allowed just one hit and zero runs through seven innings this season with 11 strikeouts. O'Day, meanwhile, has allowed six runs in four and two thirds innings. I think Brock is clearly the guy to own here. Um, he's been a really good major league setup man for almost five years now, and he earned his first all star nod last season with a 2.05 ERA and 92 strikeouts in 79 innings. O'Day struggled a bit last year after signing that big four-year, $31 million contract with Baltimore. Um, There were some hamstring and shoulder injuries, but he throws like 85 to 86 with his fastball. Brock fits the typical profile of a closer much better. He touches 96-97 with a good slider and changeup. And with Britton, I guess we just wait and see. There should be some answers about his long-term outlook by our next episode. Maybe it will only be a couple of weeks, but these forearm issues, you know, usually become bigger than than what they are initially. Yeah, I mean, the for anytime you hear forearm, it makes me super nervous. So, you know, if you, if you missed out on Brock, I'd stash O'Day just because you never know. Yeah. Um, and we know Buck Showalter really trusts O'Day. So, you know, if Brock has a couple of poor appearances in a row, he might go to O'Day and and maybe O'Day runs away with the job if Britain's out for a long time. You really don't know how this is going to play out. Another factor to think about with Britain, let's say he does come back, you know, pretty close to when he's eligible and the Orioles fall out of the race. Do the Orioles consider trading Zach Britton and then Brock sure. ends up being the closer? So a couple of situations to think about and really just get your eye on Brock. Um, but I think you're right. Definitely deserving to be the guy you want in fantasy leagues. And if you look on Yahoo, he's already over 50 percent owned. So chances are he's already gone. But I expect him to do a good job. Uh, as long as he has the job. Um, before we get into the mailbag, just a quick note on Josh Donaldson. Of course, he recently aggravated his calf strain, which he had during spring training. Uh, first had a scare last weekend before going down again a week ago. Uh, the expectation is he's going to miss two to four weeks. So another tough blow for the Blue Jays, who have the worst record in the majors at 3-12. and 12. Uh, They're also missing Jay Happ, Aaron Sanchez to the disabled list. Uh, It's early, but that's that's quite a hole out of the gate. Um, Would be pretty interesting if they decide to blow things up here. Um, But anyway, Chris Coughlin probably going to be the primary fill-in for uh, Donaldson at third base. Not really a mixed league guy, but I think if you're in an AL only league, a deeper fantasy league, you could probably go for it there, but really not much to get excited about. Yeah, the Blue Jays are starting Matt Latos and some guy named Casey Lawrence this weekend against the Angels. So Yikes. we'll see. How, they might drop to five and twelve or three and fi- wait three and fourteen real quick. Yeah, yeah, it's looking rough for them. Um, all right, so we have time to answer a couple of questions from the Road to World mailbag before we go. Uh, this first question, getting into some closer discussion here uh, from Gray Klingon on Twitter. He asks us to rank these closers according to who will get the most saves going forward. Uh, Joaquin Benoit, Sean Kelly, Coda Glover, and Trevor Rosenthal. Of course, Rosenthal, not a closer currently. Yeah. Um, I guess we, ha- we we talked about the Nationals bullpen situation last week, but in case anyone hasn't heard, Blake Trainin has been shifted back into a setup role and 
Sean Kelly and Coda Glover were named to a new ninth inning committee. Um, I really like Kelly. Uh, he, he earned the save opportunity on Tuesday after training was pulled after walking in a run. Um, he's a guy that has some workload limitations because he's had two Tommy John surgeries. He rarely works back-to-back days. But when he is fresh and the Nationals have a save chance, it'll probably be him. Um, you know, I, 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 I'm going to put him first if we're just talking about saves totals because I think he can be really solid if, if he gets the job. And you know, he also had 80 strikeouts with just 11 walks and 58 innings last season. He's proven he dominates right-handed bats. Um, Benoit might actually have the longest leash as we speak here, even though he just took over at closer and blew his first save opportunity. But I'm worried about his age. And we've talked about the Phillies possibly being forced to push Hector Neris into the closer role. Um, so I'll, I'll put him second and then Glover and Rosenthal somewhere near the bottom. Rosenthal did earn a save on Wednesday in place of Sung Wan Oh, who has struggled this season. Um, he's allowed 12 hits in six and two thirds innings. Um, and his slider doesn't look nearly as effective as it did last year. And Rosenthal has seven strikeouts and no walks in three and two thirds innings since returning from a late spring lat strain. But I, I think, O will probably figure it out. I think, you know, he has afforded himself some leash after his really good rookie year. Um, so yeah, that's, that's my pick, uh, Kelly, Benoit, Glover, and then Rosenthal. Yeah, I don't expect Benoit to keep the job all year. You know, if he performs well, he's likely to be a trade candidate. If he struggles or gets injured, Naris will keep Naris will probably eventually get that job. But Kelly's going to share that job with Glover. And the other thing to think about the Nationals is, yep, they're going to be careful with Kelly's workload, but they could still up still end up acquiring a closer as yeah. we move into July, whether it's David Robertson or somebody else. So, uh I think I'd put Benoit first, even though I'm not expecting a ton of saves. Like, I'd probably set the over-under at, like, 20. Um, I'd put Kelly second just because of the skills advantage and the situation he's in. And and you're right. I do think he has the edge over Glover. Uh, and I would put, probably put Rosenthal last just as, as you did. Um, O's struggles have been a little bit weird, uh, especially, as you mentioned, with that slider. I saw somebody posted something on Twitter yesterday just with like the slash line and strikeout percentage, swing and miss percentage with the slider. And it's, it's like a world of difference. It's kind of shocking. Um, It's, it's been a a huge out pitch for him for, you know, 16 years. I think he'll find it again. I mean, he's, he's the most decorated closer in like Asian baseball history. And and we see it, we saw what he did with it last year. mm -hmm. Um, You know, he's not that old. I think he's 34, 35. Um, I think he'll figure it out. Yeah, so I'd put Rosenthal last. I, I think you're right. I think that O deserves to have that leash in that role. But if the Cardinals, you know, continue to disappoint, uh, they have turned things around a little bit this week, as you mentioned earlier. But if they continue to disappoint, there might be more of a sense of urgency to to pull the plug. You never know. Uh, so I think it's a situation to monitor. And if you really want to speculate on a closer, it's worth a shot. But I think he'd be last on my list, but this was definitely a good question. Uh, that's a, sort of a tough one, um, but definitely a good question there. Um, on to our next one uh, on the topic of struggling sluggers. And this is from ACS guy on Twitter. He asks, what do I do with Jock Peterson and Jose Bautista? I mean, 
Peterson has been this this streaky guy. I feel like since he's been in the majors, mm-hmm. um, it definitely took some advances last year, and and I think a lot of people were hoping that was going to lead into a, a true breakout in 2017. But I think you're probably gonna he'll he'll turn it around. I mean, he's he's a young guy with a lot of talent, but you know he he hits in a lot of tough ballparks. Um, he'll go on power stretches, and then there will be periods where he disappoints you. Um, Jose Batista for me is you know, a real problem. I, I forget what his updated stat line is after today, but it's, I tweeted it's, it out. It's not pretty. <laughs> it's not good. Um, and, and, and he's 36 years old going on 37. Um, you know, there's a reason that teams didn't jump to sign him this winter. Um, you know, he, he took a huge step back last year, 22 home runs and a 234 batting average and 116 games. And I think we're just, you know, we're seeing the decline phase of his career. He'll probably get it going eventually, uh, and the Blue Jays probably will get it going as an offense. Um, their offense has been just dreadful. But, um, yeah, t- to me, they're both guys you've got to hold and, and, and wait it out. I, I don't know. What's your take on it? Yeah, I think you have to hold on both of them, uh, unless we're talking about a really shallow format. Um, the thing about Batista, I mean, actually, I think both of them sort of fit a similar uh, kind of role if you think about it just the way that their game is played uh, Batista definitely not as interesting in fantasy leagues as he once was you look at the power on the rise in the game right now he doesn't bring speed to the table and even when he was at his best his batting average would kind of fluctuate from year to yeah. year not a really strong batting average guy so not expecting much help there but given that he's 36 years old now and still playing in the outfield and he, and he really shouldn't be um, he, sh- he should be DHing somewhere. Um, but given that he's playing in the outfield every day, I worry about his ability to hold up. So I don't even know if you're going to have him all year. I'm expecting a DL stint. I think when you take Batista, when you take Batista this spring, I think you're building in a DL stint. You're expecting it to be in there. Um, what's funny about Peterson is that he has four hits and 10 at bats against left-handers so far but he's hitting 138 against right-handers, which is like the reverse of anything you would expect. Um, But I think if anything, that kind of shines a light on how early it is and how weird early numbers can be. Um, He's going to strike out a lot, but he's going to give you power. He's going to get on base. Um, I'll say this. If I was in a situation where I could acquire uh, Peterson or Batista, I'd try to get Peterson right now. Yeah, absolutely. With you there. Right. Uh, yeah, I think there's nowhere to go with up, nowhere to go but up with either of these guys. But I think Peterson's the guy. Yeah, and then again, like if Peterson's just like a 25 homer, 65 RBI outfielder again with a bad batting average, like those are not hard players to come by. That's true. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I I was I don't know. It's too early to say this isn't going to be a true breakout year for him. You know. Yeah, I mean, we're, it's, we're it's not still... even through the, a full third week. That's true, and, and they kind of. Like I said, they fit a similar mold because they're low batting average guys. They hit for yeah. power and they get on base. So if you're in an on base percentage league, you're definitely holding on these guys because they're going to contribute. Uh, they're going to be useful players. So yeah, hang in there with both of those guys. Um, so that will do it for us this week. If you want to get in touch with this show, you can always email us rotoworldbaseballpod at gmail.com. Again, the email address rotoworldbaseballpod at gmail.com. Any feedback on the show, fantasy questions, we'll try to answer them on the air. Uh, You can follow me on Twitter at DJ Short. Drew is at Drew Silve on Twitter, and we'll see you next time.